0: This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. This podcast highlights proud Americans who go above and beyond to chase a dream, have an impact on their community, or offer a helping hand to those in need. It's rare that we get the opportunity to talk with someone whose life has taken that exact arc of a family going through a traumatic experience in need of assistance or guidance to leading the nonprofit dedicated to helping those families. Here with us today is the Chief Executive Officer of the Independence Fund, Sarah Verado. Sarah began this journey as the wife and caregiver of a severely wounded soldier in 2010. After seeing the gaps in care and assistance, she began as a volunteer for Independence Fund and was eventually selected as its first CEO. Now she works with wounded veterans, caregivers, corporations, communities, and even Congress to ensure our heroes and their families get the support they need. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Oh, Joey, thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do for your fellow veterans and our entire community. Really just a blessing to know you.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I as most people know, uh, served in the Marine Corps for a little while and had a bad day once, but uh, you know, life goes on, and you're, you're proof of that yourself, and they actually helped make that happen for other wounded veterans. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit, kind of give us the elevator pitch on what Independence Fund is?
1: Yes. So the Independence Fund was really formed in the halls of Walter Reed with this desire to give back to those who had sacrificed so much to keep us free. And the initial request was from one of the first surviving quadruple amputees who wanted this track wheelchair. They're super cool. They're all terrain, all weather, and the VA considered them to be a luxury item. So they wouldn't provide them to these young veterans. And so the Independence Fund started just so organically, teeny tiny, selling plastic wristbands outside of a Beaufort, South Carolina, Walmart. And to date, we have awarded, we're almost, we're about to hit chair number 2,500. Um, and we've distributed more than $65 million in direct support. We were blessed early on. Fox News came on as our founding partner. And um, it's been about a decade strong of, of really being able to provide tangible services from track chairs to nearly every way we can think to impact their lives.
0: That's awesome. I I have to kind of full disclosure here. I have received one of these track chairs and uh, we'll we'll go a little bit off course. I'll tell the story. So when I received my track chair, I was living, uh, I think in DC and I was living in an apartment and, but I'm from Georgia and hunting and fishing is a big part of what I do. And there were some wires crossed and it got delivered to my mom and dad's house in Georgia. And it was about a month before I could get down there to see it. And by the time I got there, my grandmother, whom I call my nanny, who was in her seventies and lived on top of the hill with her sons on each side had already commandeered the track chair and was using it to go visit her sons. And, uh, Love and so that. it was one of those things where I was like, you know, this chair is going to come in handy for me one day, but as long as she's alive and kicking, I think I'm going to let her, her have it for now. And, uh, it was just so funny because it was like to see this 70 year old woman on this track chair, like hauling it off her porch and going around and, you know, within about a year, she uh, we got her, a, I think, a golf cart and I took it back. But it was just so funny. It was like, man, if they only knew what this track chair is doing, <laughs> right. they would see there's a service beyond even the wounded veteran here. Absolutely. And, uh, so. Amen. But, uh, but with that, you know, we talked about what Independence Fund is and how it's helped my life and how it, you know, helped a lot of people's lives. But how did you go from volunteering with them to becoming the CEO? That seems like a little bit of a leap there.
1: Well, my husband was very catastrophically wounded in 2010, and I know that sounds redundant until I kind of explain the extent of the injuries. but his initial injuries were limb loss and burns, and and I guess the typical polytrauma that an IED brings with so much destruction. He was hit twice, 14 days apart, and the second time was, was game over. This was in the Argandab River Valley area of Afghanistan in April of 2010. And when he woke from the coma at Walter Reed, he really just felt so devastated that the Taliban had taken him out of the fight, that he loved to hunt and fish and shoot and all of those things. He just thought they were gone forever. And we started hearing about these track chairs and I said, okay, he needs to get one that would really provide so much independence back. And it truly did. But as we went through the process, you know, Mike and I met in high school, we were 14 15 years old and he wanted to join because of the events of September 11th. I just watched this man that I had known you know most of my life at this point. Um gosh, that makes me sound older than I am. So so I'll take I'll take that part back, but I had you know I'd known since our teenage years and I watched him just really struggling with life. And so when we retired and and got into the VA system in 2013, I was so shocked, Joey. And I don't know what your experience was, but gosh, it was a dumpster fire, to put it nicely. And Mike's injuries initially were very catastrophic, obviously, but they started to increase as he had more and more surgeries. And we started dealing with a VA that wasn't equipped to take him, no record of him. We had to wait and wait, get on those wait lists for the critical care. So I had to go on YouTube and learn how to pack his wounds myself. And the fire department was carrying him in and out. And I I really just dug in and thought, advocacy has always been in my blood. There's a lot more we can do than just provide these track chairs. Like the caregivers need to go on retreats and then the families and adaptive sports. And we have a really robust casework team. A lot of it has mirrored my own family's experience because that lived experience was showing me, as I really had to say to my husband, you know, you're relieved of duty, I've got this. It was a horrific time. I mean, I feel like I probably have some secondary PTSD from that time. And I, and I don't even say that to, to be funny. I say it because trying to navigate the benefits and the red tape was just scary and exhausting. And I didn't want other families to go through that. I also think there are there are some amputees that are super high functioning and able to do a lot. Um, my husband has a very very severe brain injury. He's dependent on a grown another grown up to complete his what's called activities of daily living and his independent activities of daily living. Other than feeding, he does feed himself. And I realized that, gosh, this war is, it's not as simple as like, let's get some really cool prosthetic gear and get on our way. This is going to be lifelong. And so I was really blessed to have this role with the Independence Fund that helped provide these wraparound services to these families because it was so much more complicated than I ever could have imagined.
0: No, and I think that that's that's something that a lot of people need to understand is, It's kind of like no two people are the same. Well, no two injuries are the same. And um, you know, we spent ten years talking about how you know traumatic brain injury and post traumatic stress needs to be respected and needs to be seen differently. And I don't think people understand how how often these things are compounded. You know, one of the things that bothers me most is I'm incredibly lucky to not have a traumatic brain injury. But if I did, um, or if I just had lingering effects of post traumatic stress disorder the way people approach me just about my legs, I would probably not have a lot of friends. And and because you have to have this like learned patience and, um, and you're already frustrated because it took you 30 extra minutes to get ready. And then, then you think it should, or it did for the first 26 years of life. And I think there are just so many compounding factors that people don't know about and you're never going to be able to tell them. You're never going to be able to explain it to them. And then you take all of that that I know I experienced and you put it on a spouse or a family or children, and then they share that burden with you. And I think it's just an amazing thing to have an organization that not only dedicates itself to it, but knows it intimately, understands that intimately, which is a, a part of being injured that not a lot of people see.
1: Right. And I mean, we we try very hard to hire veterans or caregivers or military family members so that they do have that personal lived experience. It is never going to be a nine to five job for me. And I have that expectation of the team. Veterans, when we don't respond, we can be the life-saving difference. And I never, the VA's VA made great progress, so I don't want to knock the VA, but we aren't the VA. We're not going to tell someone, you know, please hold. I know you're in an emergent mental health crisis, but please hold. We'll get to you, um, you know, at 8.30 Monday morning when the governor opens back up. I, I cannot fathom doing that. So that's why really being able to dig in and be that bridge from where the veteran and the family is to where they can go, which is so individualized, is really important.
0: Well, I won't beat up on the VA, but I don't mind to knock the VA. And that's just accountability is what that is. I pay for them twice because my injuries are the only reason they exist. And my tax dollars keep them going. So we want perfection out of them. And because they're run by the government, I don't know we'll ever get it. And so I thank God that there are organizations like you all to what I call fill in the gap and to be able to see things that, um, you know, the government would spend years even acknowledging much less remedying and you all are here providing these track chairs like, Hey, Oh, you can't get around and you want to fish? Absolutely. And I've, I think I've talked to you offline about places. I think that track chairs need to go so people can use them. And it's just amazing how malleable you guys are um, and, and getting, you know, just the, the, all the services you provide. And I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the others, but the one that I'm personally attached to the, the track chair um, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Um, it was easier than you know. I've I've applied for things and they wanted a letter from my doctor because, because I guess looking at my my prosthetics wasn't enough. And so um, you guys really are uh, I guess sensitive to and understanding of everything that goes into this life after limbs, as I call it.
1: Well, and and I love I love your attitude about it. But we, I tell my staff that I want us to function like a disaster relief organization, fluid on the ground, rapidly changing to meet the need. We look at some of these other veteran organizations that maybe haven't evolved because their veteran base is older. We saw, um, and at the Independence Fund, we're very involved in advocacy. We saw incredible, tremendous change under President Trump's administration. To advance community care, which is really important, so that the veteran isn't waiting for care, and and can go to a better doctor if that exists outside of the VA system. There are great providers within VA as well. So a lot of our programs I told you came from this personal lived experience, and that was certainly true with casework and advocacy. But it all ties together because the program that. I would say is just so dear to my heart is called Operation Resiliency. And it's a formal program that we do with Department of VA. And we reunite tactical combat units and we bring them together to have them rely on these bonds that they forged in combat and have that trust to carry them at home and really try to end this absolute horror of veteran suicide. And that was born because my very best friend, Danica Thomas, you know, her husband was blown up a month before mine. And Alan was also very severely injured. Walter Reed had a whole ward at this point for guys from 2508. And Alan heard that that Mike was coming in and Mike was listed on imminent death status. And Alan defied doctor's orders and he crawled down the hall to meet Mike's medevac. But very sadly, three years later, he presented at the VA hospital, the place where he thought would take care of him. And this was in 2013. And they said, Hey, sorry, you know, we have no beds available. And they gave him a 90 day prescription supply. Well, by the time the VA called, Alan was long dead and buried. And when he died, he had a horrible flashback that a neighbor who was a former military police officer described as Alan, you know, running and yelling that he had cleared a house. Um, And in doing so killed two neighbors and their dog. And then, kind of came to put himself on his knees and he killed himself. And I, I think that the VA certainly has three sets of blood on their hands from that day. But what it really illustrated was, you know, my husband was proud to be a paratrooper. And every time they've lost a brother to suicide, these guys are still paratroopers. They mobilize and they deploy from every corner of America to sit at these funerals. And I I said in 2018 we had another one, Derek Hill, and I said, gosh Every time they see each other, it is at a funeral. I have this wild idea. Let's reunite the company. And we've gone on to do that. We started, of course, with my husband's unit. And then we've gone on to have phenomenal success. It's so emotional to see these grown men hugging, kissing, crying, you, you know, just embracing each other. And um, you'll be happy to know we have a Marine unit coming up soon. But it's really magical to see that brotherhood at work. So our sui- everything from suicide prevention to family, caregiver retreats, advocacy and casework, track chairs, adaptive sports. I mean, we really try to be fluid and keep up with what that need is.
0: Well, if you're brave enough to put that many Marines in one place, I I'm gonna tip <laughs> my hat to you. I oh, my gosh. Do. Well, I got to tell
1: you, we're a little nervous. I said we may have to beef up the security for that one because <laughs> we know.
0: No, that just uh, keep the alcohol at arms' arms distance. I think yes. is the thing to do with those guys. That's our that's our poison pill. I think, but uh, yes. that's part of our culture. I guess. Um, kind of shifting gears here and going from you know the the darkest side of of where veterans are to the brightest side, transition and getting better and moving forward. What is on the horizon for Independence Fund?
1: Well, we are we're certainly looking at this new administration and how we can plug in. We've been very blessed to have an incredibly close working relationship with the Trump administration to, to know them personally and professionally. They've been wonderful to my family and to families like mine. So we're looking ahead and saying, how can we make sure that this incredible reform isn't rolled back? How can we make sure that veterans are a bipartisan issue that every American can rally behind. So we're really looking from a strategic point right now and how do we protect the improvements made at VA and also how do we help continue to advance the ball. We are really engaged on what COVID has done, of course, to everyone, but to our veteran community. It was early on that we realized the need was so great because a lot of the families we represent, um, they do have catastrophic injuries and illnesses still. And so in a case like mine, I had to decide, okay, do I turn off my home health care? Do I start performing all of the health care myself? I'm certainly not equipped to do it. But even with our respiratory therapist, knowing that she's in 10 other houses in a day, is that safe? Or we were hearing from caregivers saying, well, I turned my home health care off, but my kids are also home and I don't want them to see bandage changes. And they were asking us to pay for really basic things like, a Disney Plus or a Netflix account, or um, you know, maybe there was an expense with childcare or home nursing, and they needed help paying their rent. So, we've been deploying across America these really neat um, programs that provide food banks and personal protective equipment, as well as cleaning supplies—just very basic necessities. We call that feeding independence. It's been throughout the nation and um, Fox is one of our largest sponsors for that. We also provide just really direct individualized financial support for whatever that family needs as they are dealing with um, quarantine and um, the secondary effects. We know that COVID has taken a tremendous hit on mental health, so we're very fluid in staying virtual. We've done virtual cooking lessons and Bible studies and um, talks from people. We'd love to have you do one, Joey, but Um, we've really tried to stay fluid in making sure that we're getting creative and how we can impact and touch these families when we can't all be together right now.
0: No, I think that's the malleability aspect that I talked about earlier that I think is so important for any any group of individuals that will be uh, active in this area. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to do something better than say the VA or the government, then you have to do it differently. And I think malleability and, and your ability to kind of shift gears is, is is quite impressive, actually. And one of the questions I had here was how has COVID affected you? And it sounds like you just told me exactly how COVID has affected um, the people you serve. Has it been difficult to continue to keep the you know the money coming in and the fundraising going so you can do all these things through COVID?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, I think in, in times in times like this, which you know we haven't really experienced before, thank God, um, we do see a, a sharp downturn in fundraising. We've been very blessed um, with a lot of our donors that came to us early on because of Fox, and, and they remain very, very loyal and very engaged. And so we're just kind of looking now at how people can contribute, even if it's at a different level or contributing time and talent as well if you can't contribute financially.
0: Well, I think that's a, I think that's a good place to kind of stop and let our listeners know exactly how they can get involved with Independence Fund, support Independence Fund or maybe even request assistance if they if they need it.
1: Well, absolutely. Any veteran needing assistance, please call us and our number is 888 888- Eight five one seven nine nine six. Our application is on our website, which is independencefund.org. The veteran application is really straightforward, or the caregiver can complete that application. And people can volunteer or donate to our mission and just follow the great news that we are doing also at independencefund.org.
0: Well, I think that you guys are pretty special, and uh, you know, I, I think I told you this on social media. You're kind of like mom or Superwoman. You've got all these different hats. You put them on. You take them off. You're keeping the, keeping the world turning, and uh, as, a, as a wounded veteran but also just as a proud American, thank you so much for all you're doing, all you have done, and I kind of look forward to seeing what's next on the horizon, so thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, that means so much, Joey. Thank you for what you do. People often send around quotes with you that are just so inspirational and uplifting. And I know you have done that for the nation far beyond just the veteran community. So thank you.
0: The Independence Fund is changing lives. Americans helping give mobility and independence to wounded veterans and their families is truly something to be proud of. Sarah and her team embody the selfless service this country does so well. And I thank them dearly for it, for all they do. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American Story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones. Thank you guys for listening.